0: Welcome to the movie to watch before you die podcast. I'm your host Dylan Long with my cousin and co-host Gab. And today we are talking about a movie that I have suggested that I think is a movie to watch before you die. But before I start talking about that movie, which you can tell already from the title. I and my co-host are going to tell you why you're listening to us. <laughs> Dad, why don't you do that? Because I'm having trouble with the words right now.
1: Okay. Well, Dylan, uh, listeners have tuned in to listen to us talk about this movie because we have some pretty stacked. Why are you covering your face? Because I'm making laugh. Up. I'm botching it. <laughs> <laughs> me too now. We have some great credentials. As a former actor and uh, someone with a degree in film and television performance, I have a really great understanding of character development, script analysis, and plot devices. And Dylan, as a former video editor and someone who has a bachelor's degree from film school, you have exactly what it takes to talk about all the technical shit that nobody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: also somebody who used to be able to speak competently before I do the introduction <laughs> to this just now. Um So, today we are talking about the 1987 movie, The Lost Boys, and I figure we can just get straight into the spoiler-free version. Cab, do you want to tell me what The Lost Boys is about?
1: What's this all been about? What am I working toward? You think you know everything about me, don't you? I bet you're a I bloody well ought to. So, The Lost Boys is about two brothers who move with their mother to their grandfather's house in Santa... Carla? california which is known as the murder capital of the world and as we come to find out it is actually the vampire capital of the world
0: all right should i compare that to the IMDb plot summary
1: i mean that's what we've done in every other episode
0: why change it now after moving to a new town two brothers discover that the area is a haven for vampires
1: (gasps) i did so well you did
0: real honestly i like yours better than theirs
1: thank you i'm very happy with that do you want to hear the taglines? You know I do.
0: There's only two. I'll give you the, the one that's not as famous first. Being wild is in their blood. <sighs> okay. I feel like I'm constantly disappointing you with taglines. Here's the one yeah, that I think never is good.
1: better. Okay.
0: Sleep all day, party all night, never grow old, never die. It's fun to be a vampire.
1: Yes, that's better. I think it probably could have ended at sleep all day, party all night.
0: Or it could have just been never grow old, never die.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either one would have been fine, but both together feels a little bit long and wordy and unnecessary.
0: There's some bastard in marketing who just couldn't make a choice.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: just, let's just use them both. <laughs> he said, I love them both. Okay. So should we do a little bit more in-depth description now before we get into our opinions?
1: Yes. Yeah, so Dylan, because this was your pick, I think you should be the one to kind of describe the plot. Um, maybe we get into spoilers. Maybe we don't. I don't really, honestly, like... This was not my choice so I've only seen it once obviously but I don't feel like there's any like major spoilers that could really be given away that aren't kind of obvious um yeah. but I, I feel would like say the
0: tagline gave away the biggest spoiler of the movie there's vampires Yeah. In this.
1: Yeah. So a spoiler no spoiler I would say just for for those who haven't seen the movie give us the gist.
0: Yes, the two brothers Michael and Sam move with their mother uh to Santa Carla and they Basically, you know, are very bored in their grandfather's house. They decide to go out for the first time that night, which leads to meeting, you know, our most important secondary characters. Sam goes off to a comic book shop. He meets the Frog Brothers, who are basically comic book experts who say that they are vampire killers. And the older brother, Michael, goes off and meets the titular Lost Boys, who are at first just seem like four douchebags yeah I I feel like not to get too into my opinion I think the weirdest thing now is I feel like their clothes are very out of style but I feel like I see all of their hairstyles every time I walk down the street now
1: I think the most interesting and distracting thing about this movie and I I I don't want to get too into it but I think the most holy shit thing is how much Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Sudeikis look exactly the same what I watched that movie, and every time Kiefer Sutherland was on the screen, I was like Jason Sudeikis. And so in my mind, and I will continue from this moment, to refer to that character and that actor as Jason Sudeikis because they look exactly the same. Exactly. 100%. If you would have told me young Jason Sudeikis, I'd have been like, yeah, obviously, of course. So you feel like
0: specifically in The Lost Boys that Kiefer Sutherland looks like Jason Sudeikis?
1: Yes, I think they are identical.
0: Uh, I just watched the movie, and I'm still going back to be like,
1: i I don't see it i see it okay listener google it tell me what you think
0: google it he'll probably be on the poster that i'm using for the youtube version of this or the spotify thumbnail so you'll probably be yeah. able to see him at, in some way here i don't see it so uh that's that, that's something i need to hear in the mail section if you have listened the couple minutes into this episode that we are does young Kiefer sutherland look like jason sudeikis because i don't see it okay keep going but to go on the older brother, Michael, first sort of, you know, has a crush on the female vampire star that's with the Lost Boys and then sort of just gets drawn into the crowd of the Lost Boys. Um, he is, you know, convinced to he's very easily peer pressured to hang out with yeah. them, party with them, which, again, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about in Opinion Time. But he becomes a half vampire, which is, you know, at some point described in the movie. And it's sort of about. Michael beginning to transform into a vampire and trying to fix it. And at the same time, Sam wanting to help his brother and work with the Frog Brothers to destroy the Lost Boys. Because if they destroy the head vampire, they cure Michael.
1: Yeah. So if you're a half vampire, which is anybody who has been indoctrinated, I think by drinking the blood that's offered to them, if they drink the blood, they become a half vampire. They become a full vampire once they've made their first kill.
0: Yes, that's exactly The same feeling that I have, because I've only seen this movie probably three times now, I think. Giselle oh. actually showed this to me uh, probably only a
1: couple years ago. Wow. Interesting. And you loved it that much. I think it's really good. I think it's a lot of fun. Okay. Okay. So, Corey liked this movie. He said he had it on VHS as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And he was talking about like how when he was a boy, he remembered thinking like Michael was the hero and he deserved the girl because he seemed really nice. And now watching it as an adult, he's like, wow, that guy really made a move on that other guy's girlfriend. Huh? <laughs> <And>
0: like, <laughs> well, it's, it's very like it works very hard not to define a star as being anyone's girlfriend like star just hangs out with them, I guess but she seems unhappy about hanging out with them. You know what I mean? Well,
1: she's always on the back of the motor uh, on of Jason Sudeikis's motorcycle. So it just seems like, no, 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 that's how it is. No, no, no. Um, The listeners will decide. But um, he's she's always on the back of his motorcycle, which I mean, I think like kind of is indicating to us right like she's like she's changing around whose motorcycle she's riding on the, the back of
0: i mean we were in the city my friend steve was driving a moped i was on the back we didn't you know we weren't married because of it you know well, what I i'm mean? not
1: saying you're married but it's just transportation your boyfriend now <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, i'll I just, so, I don't make the rules he's your boyfriend
0: I, I, I thought it was a method of transportation little did i know
1: yeah no 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 that's a full-blown relationship commitment
0: had I known that, I would have made sure to get a little sidecar to avoid that yeah. conundrum.
1: Yeah. Well, here we are.
0: Um, I think the bigger problem... Are we officially in opinion time? Did we say that?
1: Well, do you want to give a little bit more detail? No, because I feel
0: like that sets it up enough that it's like the, the mission of the movie is to destroy the head vampire. And I feel like I don't want to say exactly how it ends, because I feel like there's an interesting thing about this movie that... While it's very fun, so little happens until the last third of this movie, it feels like.
1: Yeah, but it moves so quickly in the last third. Yeah, it's not in a bad
0: way, but so little
1: happens until the last third, and then I'm like, there's
0: a half hour left, and there's so much to happen still, and then it just all happens. Yeah. So I recommend you watch this before we go into our opinions, which will surely have even greater spoilers. Um, I'm not sure if you can find it on any streaming service right now, but
1: this is- You you can rent it on Amazon Prime.
0: Yeah, and it's the 21st century. You have the internet. Figure it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I trust you.
0: I know Pedro Enrique will find a way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, now let's get into our opinions. All right. In this critic's opinion... You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Well, I have a right to my opinion, and my opinion is you
1: have no right to your opinion.
0: I feel like the first thing I noticed is this movie has some really funny lines in it. Yeah. Like, I didn't remember being as funny as it was. Um, the first one that comes to my mind is when sam first finds out that michael is turning into a vampire and he says my own brother a goddamn shit-sucking vampire just wait till mom finds out and i don't know <laughs> why that
1: cracked me up yeah also can we talk about nanook oh my god so i had this moment where i was like the 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 uh, husky's name sam's dog mm-hmm. is named nanook and i th- remembered Having a fantasy about having an uh, an Australian shepherd, uh, a husky named Nanook or like a stuffed animal husky that I named Nanook. And I thought, oh, my God, did I get that from this movie? But no, he's like a like an Inuit God of the hunt.
0: I know there's a documentary also named Nanook of the North.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Nanook of the North is like it's like a thing that it does not come from this movie. But Nanook is a very good boy. Ten out of ten.
0: Yeah. Not only does he. He's a very good boy for Sam, because if Michael is also his owner, he he he's not as good a boy then. Cause he, once Michael starts to turn vampire in the movie, there's a moment where Nanook just says, I'ma fuck you up. And it's yeah. almost comical the way that he tackles him and the door just shuts behind them.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely I feel like it's a funnier movie than I remember. Yeah, it's definitely funny. Uh the grandpa has some really funny lines too.
0: Yes which I'm, I think they allude to it, and I definitely didn't notice
1: it last time I watched. Is the grandpa supposed to be a stoner? Yeah, he's got like the Willie Nelson rat tail. I guess so. Also, um, they, they they see his pot on the windowsill. Oh, is that... And they that? like gesture about it, yeah. yeah I, I remember the gesture. I didn't
0: notice uh, the actual pot.
1: I mean, that's what I assumed. They were pointing at a green bush, tree, I, leaf.
0: I did write down, though, we talked about Michael and the peer pressure. There's that scene where... This is a lot of playing with, you know, the things that we know vampires can do the way that a vampire can hypnotize people or the way that vampires can fly. I think it's really cool the way that they show some of those things. The first thing is you see it pretty much within the first five to 10 minutes of the movie, the way that we like see the flying camera to show, I I assume they didn't have the money to really show the vampires flying a lot. You know what I mean? I think you maybe see them like. I fly I say in air quotes like a couple times at the end and it's like very quickly shot because they don't want to show too much of that because they're like "Eh, it looks okay
1: yeah
0: yeah but I think it looks great when they're just doing the thing of showing their point of view as they're flying
1: yes I agree I really like the scene and Corey said it was a very famous scene I don't really recall have ever like ever having seen it before where they're dangling off the bridge
0: oh I'm not sure if it is uh, I'm I didn't know it beforehand. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. He made a point of being like, oh, this is a very famous scene. And I was like, oh, interesting. But they're kind of just like hanging underneath a bridge and a train is passing and they're trying not to let go. And then they let go and they fall. And I don't really remember where they go when they fall.
0: Well, it's interesting. We don't ever see where they go. We see the Lost Boys let go of the bridge and like they just fall into a fog. And Michael is still hanging on to the bridge with the train passing over the bridge. And so the bridge is shaking and he's having a hard time holding on and he's panicking, you know, presumably because he thinks he just witnessed four boys dying. Um, But then he (laughs) hears them from the ground being like, come on, Michael, let go. I don't know why I made them into Mickey Mouse, but I'm just going to keep with it. They're like, Michael, don't you want to eat some people? (laughs) And Michael eventually lets go of the bars. And it's this interesting i'm gonna say interesting instead of just bad because it's
1: just a transition of him like (laughs) pretending to fall it's bad it is bad you gotta call you gotta call a spade a spade It's one of those things objective it's one of those things too
0: where like you can tell he's just standing there waving his arms around like he's falling because (laughs) we can't see the bottoms of his legs so it's clearly that they just shot him and they're like yeah we'll overlay some fog over the shot or something and just have him go like
1: whoa yeah, and he is exaggerating. Like, he's like, Whoa.
0: He's doing it for a while. He's doing it for long enough that he just stops screaming at some point. It's just like, huh, would you look at that? I'm still <laughs> falling. Ah! <laughs> like, it it's, yeah. So weird. And then it just shows him landing in bed. So it's clearly just meant to be, like, the transition of, like, he had a night of debauchery with the vampires or whatever. Yeah. But it looked so, like that was very jarring to be like,
1: you know? Yeah, it was uh it was it was there were certain moments of this movie that were like very much 80s lower budget, we're trying to do our best here. Like campy low budget.
0: I think something I've realized from this podcast is I clearly love the 80s and I clearly love yeah. campy 80s movies.
1: You really do. You really, really do. And it's funny because um, one of the things I want to talk about is is the Corys, right? Because both Corys are in this movie, and obviously, you know, I have a thing for Corys. Um And I actually had never seen a movie with either Corey in it before, but I That's knew them bullshit. because That's bullshit. And I know you've never seen the Goonies. No. Oh my god! Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I've never. Holy seen shit! I know. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I've never seen the Goonies. Anyway, as I was saying before you interrupted with what you knew was going to be disappointing, um, I knew about Corey Haim and Corey Feldman because when we were kids, VH1 had a very popular television show called I Love the 80s. And I watched every episode of I Love the 80s, but I had never really like seen anything from the 80s. So I knew about them. I knew that they both had drug problems and whatever, whatever. But wow, does Corey Feldman have a deep voice for a kid? Well, he doesn't. He
0: is putting on like, it's something that I would feel like I didn't even write it down because it wasn't important enough for the facts. But apparently Joel Schumacher told him, you know, the director to, you want to have that type of bravado like you are a Sylvester Stallone, Chuck Norris type of action hero. That's what you think. That's what the character thinks he is. Yeah. So he's talking like this the whole time because he's a kid, but he wants to sound like he's a man
1: i thought that's just how he sounded i was like damn no. okay 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 um interesting what happened to them both of them
0: the thing that happens to a lot of child stars they did not continue to succeed you know what i mean like i feel bad Dr- like drugs yeah like uh Corey feldman apparently almost got fired from this movie because he showed up super high on cocaine i think one day
1: oh, and he, he was like, a little kid.
0: I mean, you know, you hear stories. uh, Who was it? I think it was Drew Barrymore was nine years old hanging out Hollywood parties and things like that.
1: Yeah. Still, Uh, though.
0: Yeah. And Corey Haim. I don't know if it was as prevalent at that age as it was for Corey Feldman. But I know that Corey Haim eventually didn't he die from drugs. He died? Oh, big time spoiler. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. He's dead. Oh, that's so sad.
0: Yeah. And Corey Feldman, don't worry. Wait! Oh my God! And now I feel like oh I've given myself an excuse to do it. Corey Feldman has a music career now. What? What do you mean? by music career now, like he puts out like YouTube videos of him doing music with like the same quality special effects that I could just do right now, which is not that good. Oh no. Um, I'm gonna put in the description below. I think it's called Ascension Millennium or something like that. It's one of his music videos, and I've watched it many times and. Truly, I think it's cinematic
1: art. Oh, I feel like you're being facetious. I'm being a little facetious. Okay, I can't wait to watch it. Um, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know that the one was dead. That's really sad. He, um, the that's the one who played Sam, right? Yes, the main character. Corey. Cor- My Corey's comment was, "Uh, Corey Haim never really closes his mouth." Huh?
0: <laughs> I feel like I did notice that a little bit too. That he like
1: he he's a mouth breather.
0: I don't know what it is, but yeah, there's, that's always going on a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. So Corey Feldman had a big drug problem. Still alive, making crazy music. Corey Ham is dead. Uh. My Corey, very much still alive. Corey Easley, alive.
0: <laughs> that's good. This has yeah. been the Corey update.
1: Actually, so yeah, Corey update for this podcast. Um. He's actually the his pot He's recording his podcast in the living room as we speak. So, um. That's a little podcastception for you.
0: And if you want to listen to it, that's called Corey has a podcast.
1: Corey has a podcast. It's called Corey has a podcast. You can find it all the places where you find other podcasts from other people who have podcasts.
0: It. it, it, I do feel funny every time we're talking about, you can find the podcast because if, if you're hearing me say that you found it.
1: Yeah. You already already found it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Good job. I don't know how you stumbled in here, but if you want to continue finding the podcast, you know what I mean? It's like nobody accidentally finds it.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Yeah. That's the Corey update for you. Good to know.
0: Um, Oh, there there's another moment to I feel like I really like this movie. So some of the things I wrote down were like nitpicks that I was like, oh, that's a little stupid. Like yeah. obviously the smoke thing where it's like again, the movie moves so quick, so you really don't care about that one minute thing, but it looked so stupid at the time. And another thing that felt so stupid was Michael goes to talk to Star, who is maybe you know, Kiefer Sutherland's characters. Um Jason Sudakis's girlfriend no a la
1: motorcycle per the motorcycle rules she's jason sedegas's girlfriend
0: yes he, she she does ride on the back of his motorcycle but she eventually rides on the back of michael's motorcycle just saying so you know she's a dual motorcycle
1: rider that's how the movie ends
0: but he go, he goes to star and he says you know what's happening to me star and she says oh michael i can't help you and then immediately is like but well, we can stop we can have sex right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very jarring. It just kind of happens out of nowhere.
0: It is immediate. It is like there is no conversation at all. She's just like, wish I could help you. Want to Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's so crazy because he's going he's having a crisis. It's like it's like realizing that you your arm is, is cut off and you're bleeding out. And it's like, oh, sorry, can't help you. But
0: you in the mood. I will say, though, a teenage boy, even with the arm ripped off, would be like, yeah, yeah, okay. That's true.
1: Yeah, (laughs) 100%. Yeah, fair.
0: I also wrote down, we never, you know, obviously we know that there are vampires in this movie, but when they go full vampire, we see them in a new makeup, you know, their eyes change. They have, like, these very defined facial bones popping out or whatever it's supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool look that's different than I feel like a lot of vampires you normally see we don't see them as full of vampires until an hour and one minute into the movie and the movies only all only an hour and 37 minutes yeah but again i think you would said it i never really feel like oh my god this is dragging i need something to happen because you are sort of nope. just enjoying watching what's going on yeah i do like yeah, the hijinks I didn't feel though, like it was of uh sam not being sure if he wants to tattle on michael the vampire
1: yeah, it's a very cute, like, big brother, little brother dynamic.
0: Yeah, I think, like, maybe my favorite scene in the whole movie is when Michael wakes up on the roof at one point because he, I guess he just started flying. You know, he doesn't realize he's a vampire, how to control his flying, and he's hanging out the window, and the only thing he's holding onto is the phone. And Sam calls the mother, and Michael, who is flying out the window, is trying to tell the mother, like, no, everything's fine, Sam's freaking out, don't worry about it. Uh, Obviously, it's... Oh wait, I forgot to do my vampire voice. Oh, everything's fine, bro. Don't worry about it. (laughs) But I I feel like it's a it's a funny scene to see just because again, as cheap as the movie, you know, does feel at times, it's very charming too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, one thing I I wanted to say, another comment Corey made when we were watching was that during the sex scene, they are in a bed. I think it's like a canopy bed. It's surrounded by curtains. And so the shots that we see are kind of like in and out of the curtain and referring to the room. He said, why do you guys always pick movies with curtain sex scenes? Why is everyone is always having sex behind a curtain? The moment you mentioned
0: a curtain, I was like, the room is coming.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it was very, I mean, thank God that scene only lasted a couple seconds and not many minutes like in the room, but it was definitely a callback yeah. moment. Yeah. Um. All right. What else you got for me?
0: It's clearly just a moment of the Frog Brothers getting too scared, but it's a line I really like where I think it's Corey Feldman says. "Um, It's after they kill one of the vampires, Marco, and they run out into the daylight. You know, I think. The other one is saying, oh, we panicked. And Corey Feldman goes, they pulled a mind scramble on us. They opened their mouths and talked. Like, <laughs> I, 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 it's such a stupid line that happened so quickly that I'm like, what yeah. does that mean?
1: Yeah, that's very random. I thought it was crazy after they kill Marco or maybe it's somebody else. They like, oh, they they shove somebody into the bathtub full of holy water and garlic. So obviously yeah. he begins to burn and then his body disintegrates and goes down the drain. And then every pipe and and um, drain in the house starts blowing up with bloody water so like the toilet explodes all the sinks are exploding and there's just blood everywhere it was like damn was that really necessary
0: i don't think i wrote it which is very annoying but i think it goes back to at one point the frog brothers say no two, you know the vampires don't always die the same way some of them die young and screaming some of them implode some of them explode and some of them go quiet and in order, you have Marco who dies yelling and screaming. You have the guy who dies in the bathtub and he implodes, which causes all the pipes to explode. You have the guy who gets thrown into the stereo and his head explodes. Which mm-hmm. I don't know why, because there's nothing that good about it. And Corey Haim is doing his open mouth thing, but I love it when he goes
1: death by stereo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cute. Is he also a little lispy?
0: Yeah, absolutely. not that there's a problem with that. It makes it all the more charming. Yeah. And the last one is Jason Sudeikis, who mm-hmm. uh, dies quiet. Thank you. I still don't yeah. see it at all. This is not.
1: This is me just you're trying to have your a mutual language. I don't see Mind, it. you're out of your mind. It's Ted Lasso as a teenager.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking you see this guy come up and you're like, oh,
1: clearly he's the soccer coach. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes. All right. All right. Um. All right. Do you have anything else to say?
0: Yeah, just, you know, Michael needs to be stronger, because after they make him think he's eating maggots and possibly eating worms, and they tell you this is blood, don't drink it, even if they all tell you to drink it, Michael.
1: Don't do that. Yeah, he really, like, I had a hard time feeling sorry for him, because I was like, you, he he started pursuing this girl. You quickly find out that the girl is clearly betrothed to another as she gets on the back of his motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then he like has a weird motorcycle race with him for the girl. He loses the race and like crashes his motorcycle, follows them into their little lair and then starts eating, which, by the way, a line that was very funny was when they were telling him it was rice, but it was like really maggots. They were like, you like rice, Michael? And he was like, uh, and they were like, 400 million Chinese can't be wrong. And I was like, ha 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 can't say <laughs> that, that anymore that got you, yeah I was, that did get me. I was like yeah that's good there's a line um,
0: later in the movie too which goes back to the scene you're talking about and that we were just talking about where michael actually says where is it it was that night in the cave wasn't it that wasn't wine they gave me a drink it was blood and i'm like they explicitly no shit. told you that
1: they said it they were like he yeah this is said, blood
0: yes the, drink some blood and he was like i surely these people wouldn't lie to me as they have been for the past <laughs> five minutes <laughs>
1: Also, like, can't you taste like blood is an unmistakable taste?
0: You would think he would do the immediate, like, comical spit take, like, yeah, bleh.
1: that's what I was expecting. Like, oh my god, bleh. and then like, it's too late, you know what I mean? Like, some of it like seeped into him, his tongue, or something, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, bro, what you say? like, I understand that like when you're young, you don't really know what alcohol is supposed to taste like, but like, come on, you know what blood tastes like.
0: Yeah, you know what doesn't taste like alcohol, blood right exactly yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. nobody's ever described oh this mine is very bloody very good it's not a steak
0: okay i feel like that is most of my major opinions so i definitely want to hear some more from you um like specifically i have to ask you know as we're in spoilers now did you see the ending coming they they do hint at it but i feel like they do a good job
1: convincing you it's not what's going to happen um can you be more specific about what you're referring to spoilers from here The on. reveal
0: that the head vampire, spoiler, spoiler, is
1: Max. Yeah, you know, I think I knew that he was the head vampire. And when he says, I'm not going to come in unless you invite me, it was like obvious. OK, he's the head vampire. But then at dinner, when nothing they did worked on him, I was like, OK, so maybe he's not the head vampire. Because I feel like the other obvious head vampire is um, Jason Sudeikis. So as soon as Jason Sudeikis died, but Michael was still a vampire, it was like, okay, it's this other guy. So I don't really think it was like a huge plot twist because they hinted to it and then they didn't really do a very good job like diverting you other than that one scene. But then you come to find out a little bit later that like if you invite a vampire into your home, none of the, the things you do will work against him like you're rendered powerless against him. Yeah, that like some of the normal things won't work. Yeah. Like the, the garlic and the holy water and whatever. So I was like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Of course it was him. It was him the whole time. Um, so I, I don't really think it was like a shock. Um, but I, I ultimately, I went into this movie thinking, oh, I'm probably not going to like this because it's, I don't really love campy eighties movies. Although as we have discussed, I've never really seen many of them. So I was like, oh God. All right, here we go. And you know, if I'm not excited to watch it, like usually we watch these movies on a Sunday night. We put it off and watched it on Monday. And we were trying to watch it like early enough that we could still like enjoy our night and watch some 90 Day Fiance before we had to go to bed to wake up really early on Tuesday morning. Okay. So it was kind of like, all right, let's just get this over with. But Corey, like I said, loved this movie when he was a kid. So he's he was like, I think it's great. And he said, I don't know if you're going to like it. And I was like, all right. So we put it on and it's starting and, you know, whatever. And honestly, like. I was just kind of into it and as the movie went on, it was just fun and there was nothing about it that was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this, like, oh, my God, I hate this or I'm over the. I was just kind of like in the beginning, I was a little bit like, all right, you know, when when are we going to get where we're going? And then it just kind of like got better and better and better. And by the end, I was like, it was a 90 minute fun ride. I really liked it. Um, would I ever watch it again? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I feel similarly about it as I did about, um, uh, The Legend of Billie Jean.
0: Which, of course, did get the the pity movie to watch Before You Die, as you can see. description you know,
1: <laughs> I don't know that it was a pity to watch a movie to watch Before You Die, but it was definitely like a. I would I wouldn't not recommend it, um. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like, don't watch this. It's not worth your time. I did think most it was good. I
0: think of recommendations. I won't here's what avoid I would say. recommending.
1: I would recommend it to. We don't have to talk about Billie Jean again, but I would say I would recommend it to the right type of person. I wouldn't recommend it to everybody, but people, a certain type of person, I would say, yeah, you should watch this. Um, I think the best thing this movie had going for it was that it was easy to follow, but mm-hmm. it was exciting. There yeah. wasn't really like a dull moment.
0: And I feel like all of the characters are simple and fun.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and people that you recognize, right? I did love that the Frog Brothers are named Edgar and Alan. I thought that was great. Um, I thought it was just like a fun story about a town plagued with vampires. And, you know, it wasn't like a political thing. Like there weren't really a lot of adults involved. It was just these three kids trying to save the one's brother by destroying the vampires. And I love that Edgar and Alan had, um, they kind of knew about it and they like felt like they wanted to be the ones to kill the vampires. And, you know, they were like, just drive a stake through your brother's heart. And Sam was like, he's my brother. I don't want to. So they had to find another way to do it. Um, I just thought it was really good. It was fun. It didn't change my life, but I thought it was a really cool kind of like, that's the type of movie where I'm like, kids and adults will both enjoy this.
0: Yes. And that, that's why I think, I do think it's a movie that is sort of, anyone can watch at any time. And I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, about that ending twist, I don't think it is supposed to be like a Shyamalan style. Like I never saw it coming. Yeah. But I do think it's a fun thing because I think it convinces you enough that, oh, I guess it's not Max to the point that once David Kiefer Sutherland, Jason Sudeikis dies, because I feel like I have to call him all the names now yep. Um, that you're like, oh, so it should be over now. And then you're like, oh, it's still going. Like, it's like, you're not shocked that it turns out to be Max, but you're like, "Oh, it's still a little bit more."
1: Yeah, there was you a diversion a... for sure.
0: Yeah, hopefully you've had enough fun by then that you're like, "Ooh, another villain."
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I will I say
0: that actor who plays Max, he, you know, he's such a nice-looking guy and like a dorky-looking guy. And I feel like they try to make him look scary as a vampire, and I'm like, "You, you look like an even bigger dork somehow, sir. You are the dorkiest vampire I've ever seen."
1: Yeah, yeah, he's very dorky. I he's totally not very agree. scary looking. No.
0: It's also not good vampire dialogue to be like, I thought it'd be one big happy family. And it's like, oh, no, this is, you're not scary. But I don't know if it's supposed to be scary by that point either. Is any moment of the scary? Do you think it's supposed to? I don't know if it's supposed to be horrific no, at all. Yeah,
1: I don't think so. I mean, there's definitely like a little bit of gore, but not like scary gore. It's just like, whoa, that guy exploded
0: yeah apparently i know that they cut out like more gore interesting Um, i know that david keeper Sutherland, jason sudeikis apparently at one point they attack those guys on the beach and you see a quick shot of him bite the back of somebody's head and apparently there's a longer version they filmed of that where he like tears the back of that person's head off that they like created a whole special effect for and then they cut it out
1: interesting yeah that was that was a very bizarre like did he just bite that guy's head
0: yeah but straight in the
1: back of it which would not be a good spot
0: to bite somebody no all right. It sounds like our opinions, which have been mostly positive, have been gotten out. So I'm still in suspense for what our verdicts will be. Should we get to some facts before then, though? Back to me up. I want the truth! Face the facts, dokes. Facts have no place with an organized religion. Okay, let's start where we usually do with our uh, ratings. IMDb gives this a 7.2 out of 10. On the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter, it has a 76% with an average rating of 6.4 out of 10. 58 fresh reviews and 18 rotten. The audience score is 85% and the average score is 4.2 out of 5. The movie had a budget of $8.5 million and grossed $32.5 million. Wow. It was directed by Joel Schumacher, who also directed Flatliners, Falling Down, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. Of course he did. Side note, he also wrote Car Wash and The Wiz. Oh, I, weird. I was just like, what? That's I, bizarre. Yeah, I felt a need to include that. And I was like, did he write on this? And no, he did not. So it's just weird that he had a couple of writing credits.
1: And and such a random, very esoteric genre. Yeah.
0: This movie right. was written by Jan Fisher, James Jeremias, and Jeffrey Bohm, who also wrote The Dead Zone, Interspace and The Adventures of Briscoe County Junior. Okay. Uh, stars Jason Patrick as Michael, who you may know from Sleepers and The Alamo, which, did you watch The Alamo in school? I feel like no is this my great Gatsby where I assume everybody watched the Alamo in high school? Yeah yeah I'm like of course we all know Jason Patrick as the Alamo David Bowie yeah, no not David Bowie who's Bowie knife Jim Bowie I don't know Bowie? Jim Bowie I'm fucking up somebody will correct me
1: Hold on Sally would like to say something
0: her silence speaks volumes.
1: Did you hear her? No,
0: I didn't hear a goddamn thing. This is like when you talk about that imaginal, imaginary baby that you hear in the walls. No.
1: Sally.
0: Oh, that one I heard. Okay, that was good. Okay, okay, thank you. Um, All right, that's
1: how Sally felt about this movie. Sally, what'd you think?
0: That sounds positive. That was that was like a... Oh, she's rubbing her head against the microphone.
1: She, she's such a good girl.
0: That's going to sound terrible when I go to edit this. <laughs> Sorry. No, blah, blah, um, blah, blah, blah. Corey Haim as Sam, who you may know from Lucas or License to Drive. Diane Weist as the mom Lucy, who you may know from The Birdcage and the birdcage. Edward hands.
1: By the way, I still resent you for your verdict on The Birdcage.
0: I regret nothing. Barnard Hughes as the grandpa, who you might know from Iron or Blossom. I wrote that down. I don't even know what that is. Hmm. Edward Herman as the head of Vampire Max, who you could know from Overboard and Gilmore Girls. Kiefer Sutherland slash Jason Sudeikis as David, who <laughs> you may know as Jack Bauer from *24* who are we kidding you know him as jack bauer from 24 yeah um i think he had like one line but i have to point out alex winter as the vampire marco who you may know as bill of the bill and ted movies
1: interesting
0: he's just like he's just there and you can't help but be like oh it's vampire bill hurry on yeah. Bill. like it's like what are you doing here
1: okay yeah yeah yeah
0: jamie gertz a star who is in twister and lastly as the frog brothers Corey feldman who you may know from the goonies unless you're gab and stand by me And Jameson Newlander, who you may know from The Blob, and Bone Tomahawk. Interesting. Corey Feldman won a Young Artist Award for Best Young Actor in a Horror Motion Picture. Love that. And it won a Saturn Award for Best Horror Film in 1988. Brilliant. Which is weird, because I don't, I don't know, were people more scared of this at the time? I don't know. Critics' Consensus? Flawed but eminently watchable, Joel Schumacher's Teen Vampire Thriller blends horror, humor, and plenty of visual style with standout performances from a cast full of young 1980s stars. Yeah. Couple short reviews, Roger Ebert gave it two and a half stars. When everything is all over, there's nothing to leave the theater with. No real horrors, no real dread, no real imagination. Just technique at the service of formula. Which I don't know if it's like. I can't tell if he is shitting on this movie or if he's like, you know what? It didn't leave me with a lot, but I had fun. Like, he could kind of be saying either one of those things, depending on the tone I read it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sally, what do you think?
0: Sally, no. She has nothing to say. She's not helping at all. Michael Wilmington from the Los Angeles Times. I have got so much cat ass in my camera feed right
1: now. Uh, (laughs) She puts her asshole right in the camera.
0: From the Los Angeles Times. There's always room for fancy trash. In this movie about a gang of punk vampires terrorizing the new kids in town, seems capable of providing some. Then the characters open their mouths. Oh. Rita Kempley from the Washington Post. It starts slow, but finishes fast with some clever plot twists. In the end, all is not lost with these boys. That is, It's just such a dumb way of speaking. Perhaps all is not lost with these (laughs) boys. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, And lastly, Peter Travers from People. If it's nothing to really sink your fangs into, it's often very funny. Yeah. Do you want to hear the fun facts now? Please. This was Corey Haim and Corey Feldman's first film together, which marked the start of a popular 80s trend, The Two Coreys, in which Feldman and Haim starred together in a number of teenage films.
1: Wow. I didn't realize that. So was that on purpose or it just happened to be that way?
0: I think it just happened. I think they became really good friends. Like I think they just had good chemistry together. Cool. Santa Cruz, where Santa Carla takes place, was once plagued with the reputation of being the murder capital of the world because of a series of very brutal murders by three different very disturbed men in the early 70s. John Mm -hmm. Lindley Frazier, Herbert Mullen, and Edmund Kemper. Santa Cruz endured 28 murders over a 30-month period between 1970 and 1973. Yeah, I think that's why they had to change the name, because Santa Cruz was like, we don't need this PR, please.
1: (laughs) Yeah, please, please help us. (laughs)
0: Every um, year. I did want
1: to say I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. I don't, don't want to interrupt you, but um, there was a TV show, like a like a streaming show with Drew Barrymore called Santa uh, Clarita? Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah, 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 about vampires. And I thought maybe there was going to be a tie between the two, but I don't think so. I think it's about zombies. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I'm not really into zombies, so I didn't watch it. Um, but it did it, that did occur to me. But I guess for not.
0: There's also a movie that I thought could relate to this. It's a Santa Claus is coming to town.
1: Uh, Yes, yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you.
0: (laughs) The famous Jason Sudeikis as Santa. Um, Right. Every year at the landmark Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk in Santa Cruz, California, this film is screened as part of the park's free summer movie series. Wow. When asked why he did the film, Joel Schumacher simply stated, vampires are hot. They're the only erotic monsters. Frankenstein is not hot. True. Sam, Corey Haim, has a poster of Rob Lowe on the outside of his closet door. The DVD comment, it's like, it's also, it's a very, like, it's not a poster that a a young boy would have in his room. It's like Rob Lowe showing off his abs. Yeah. Joel Schumacher says that it was there because he had recently directed Rob Lowe in St. Elmo's Fire. Sam has the poster on his closet door. The poster sparked years of debate about whether or not Schumacher, an openly gay man, was making a subtextual statement about Sam's sexuality by putting a picture of a male heartthrob on his closet. A reference to being, quote, in the closet. Schumacher also has Sam wearing an ear stud, riding a pink bicycle, and being more fashion conscious than any other character. I don't wow. think a big deal is made of that. Like, I think, like, you're, no. you know, I guess if you want to search for that, you can find those threads there. I don't know. I didn't think that at all during the movie. My the most guess... I thought about that was when they're like, look at this very oiled up shirtless man playing the sex And I was like, that's a Joel Schumacher shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I thought that because they had just moved in with their grandparents, I just assumed that like the grandfather had a poster up. And like, I don't I didn't I guess I didn't really think about it from that lens either. I was just like, maybe the grandfather was just trying to make this room teenage appropriate. He thought teenagers love Roblo.
0: You know, I'm Way more curious now. maybe the grandpa was doing taxidermy smoking a joint. And he was like, you know, what the great in here.
1: <laughs> Roblo poster. That's it.
0: I'm going to buy it tomorrow. <laughs> I like to think he didn't own it already he was like the
1: kids are coming I gotta go buy that I gotta go buy this Rob Lowe poster right
0: uh Corey Feldman who played Edgar Frog almost wasn't in the movie uh at the time Corey struggled with drug abuse at a young age and showed up to work coming down from a cocaine binge director Joel Schumacher was upset that Corey kept dozing off and was unable to continue filming so he fired him but hired him back the next day after Corey apologized and swore to come to work prepared from then on which he did Hmm. Is there any other industry you think where I can show up coming off of a cocaine binge and get my job back the next day? I
1: don't believe so.
0: I don't think so. Uh, Timmy Capello played the oily saxophone player on the dock and made a name for himself by playing in the touring band of Tina Turner during her spectacular comeback tours of the mid-1980s.
1: Oh, R.I.P. Tina Turner.
0: R.I.P. I believe, I think in one of the interviews I saw somebody saying that he still plays the saxophone shirtless at, at like 60 years old I, I i hope that means he's still like is in great shape at 60 otherwise yeah, it sounds honestly. very sad <laughs> yeah obviously the names of the frog brothers edgar and allen are referenced edgar Allan poe uh characters in the movie say the name michael over 100 times and approximately 118 times i saw 114 and 118 but there is parts of the movie where it just feels like they're like oh michael michael michael
1: Yeah, I was like, nobody calls this kid Mike. There's absolutely no nickname for him. Like, oh, my God.
0: I always think of there's uh, a Sopranos episode where Christopher is interested in acting. And one of the acting exercises is you can have an entire conversation just by using A and B. And they're like, A, B, A, B. Yeah. And it feels like people are doing that in this movie with Michael. They're like, Michael, Michael. Yeah. Michael.
1: Michael. Michael. (laughs) Michael. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's annoying.
0: It has been theorized by fans that Grandpa was a half vampire, actually, and the root beer was animal blood due to his hobby as a taxidermist.
1: Oh, I could see that, but then he would have died at the end of the movie.
0: Yeah, it also, well, I guess it just feels like or it's one of those things been that, cured. yeah, it feels like it's one of those things that I guess if you really want that to be the tr- case, sure.
1: Yeah, 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 that makes sense.
0: Uh, the order the vampires jump off the bridge is the order that they are killed. Okay. Uh, Jameson Newlander, who played Alan Frog, quote, when I look back at the movie, I just think about what great hair I had at the time, and I didn't appreciate it. That's great. David Kiefer Sutherland, Jason Sudeikis, wears motorcycle gloves the entire movie, but it was not a character decision. (laughs) I wrote Kiefer Sutherland, but my phone autocorrected it to Kroger Sutherland (laughs) (laughs) on a motorcycle and the gloves covered his cast.
1: Oh, that's so weird.
0: Okay, here's another one. Did you notice that uh, when Marco dies, Bill from Bill and Ted, we see David, keep your cell and Jason Sudeikis, shed a tear when the boys get away. Did you notice that?
1: Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. He sheds a
0: single tear, and the tear is actually coming from how painful the contact lenses were to wear. They were only supposed to be worn to a maximum of eight to nine minutes at a time, and it was apparently just sucking all the liquid out of his eyeball. Uh, <laughs> i thought that was kind of cool wow so on that one he accidentally sheds a tear and they were like we're keeping it yeah um the studio was not happy with the casting calling it at the time a bunch of no bunnies, and cut the budget from 20 million dollars to eight and a half million wow and my very last fact Kiefer sutherland believes his hair uh for this movie may be partially responsible for the mullet and i, I believe he feels bad about it
1: his hair may be yes. pop- Oh, for the popularity of the mullet?
0: Yes, I think for popularizing the mullet. Mm, Could be. If so, damn you, you Jason Sudeikis, son of a bitch. You and Zach had mullets. We did. You did. You really did. I mean, everybody did in the 90s. Every white person, I don't know. (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) Every trashy looking person. (laughs) I think I called myself white white trash as a child. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just young white trashy man.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, you know, we you made it out. um the Shoe
0: filled with holes fits like I
1: will wear. <laughs> oh my god, I feel like there was something I wanted to say to you about all of this. I think I really just wanted to harp on like how much you love the '80s, and honestly, like watching this and seeing like the Corey Haim character of Sam. Prior to them talking about the gay possibility of him being gay, because obviously I didn't realize that at the time, he just reminded me of you a lot. Like, and and growing up with you and kind of like having fun with me, you and Zach and getting into trouble and trying to figure things out and you know, like just the is it because like, he was going to tell on his <laughs> Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, just you know, tattling. Um. But I do think that you were raised in a way that was very, like, 80s. I think you were exposed to a lot of, like, 80s cartoons and movies and stuff as a kid from your parents. And, you know, I was pretty much exposed to pop culture just from you and Zach. And I think as much as I find these things, like, kind of campy and annoying, like, I do – they do feel like childhood to me because of you, not because I was really, like, an 80s kid.
0: I do also feel like it's just – there's a charm to it and like i I think that i i don't know if it is just a nostalgia type thing well i don't have any nostalgia for this movie but i think there's a charm to that era of filmmaking because you can tell that the things were just actually done and they found a way to do it you know what i mean and i think that's cool whereas now you watch a movie and you just know like okay well in the credits i'll see 500 people who were each responsible for making like one frame of a computer generated version of this thing
1: yeah yeah like this new little mermaid
0: yeah, I do not have any interest in that. They need to stop doing yeah. like, you know that movie that was really successful? Let's do the same thing except we're going to make it 45 minutes longer
1: and CGI everything.
0: Like The Lion King. That yeah. one that one really grinds my gears. You know what I mean? It's like, why yeah. is that that's not live action? That is yeah. just as animated.
1: Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's very bizarre that they would even call it that. There's not a single person in that movie. Um, What I think is really interesting, I read this article about how the Little Mermaid is like, the the sea creatures, right, are, are like, just, it's like uncanny valley left and right and it's just not meant to be that way like you're not supposed to see like the mermaid's little best friend the flounder who's supposed to be cute and chubby looking like an actual flounder like nobody wants to see an actual flounder they're not attractive and it the character is supposed to be like a little kid you know what i mean like it's just it's not meant to be that way like we are we are not always meant to be hyper realistic in our our film consumption
0: yes i know as much as you said in last week's episode that you're not really an animation fan per se but there's a reason that the medium of animation works so well because you can anthropomorph and what's the word i'm looking for anthropomorphize an animal like a fucking crab and instead of making it look like a horrifying nightmare creature it looks Mm -hmm. adorable and you're like right yes the fact that this crab is talking and has this accent for no reason i go with it and i love it and it's it's an iconic character now and, you know, it's you're right. These things are not meant to look real because yeah. the real thing often looks worse. Again, I go back to the Lion King and you know what? I've never seen the entirety of the, the new version. But there are so many shots from the original Lion King where, you know, Simba's face is so expressive when he sees the stampede coming after Mufasa has just died. And you know what a real lion wouldn't do? have any fucking
1: expression. They don't do that. right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just you're just not meant to consume those characters with that emotion being realistic. Like it's just it doesn't make sense. Um and uh I do like ever since we watched the thing, I do love seeing practical effects in movies.
0: It's unfortunate, the the thing is like to me that is the the top of the the tower of practical effects
1: i would watch it again with Corey, and maybe revisit it but
0: i think you owe it i think you owe it to the thing because you have referenced it several times
1: i know and it really like i've actually watched youtube videos about how they did the effects because i everything you told me i thought was so cool um it is. maybe maybe we will maybe we will maybe for your birthday
0: okay i don't know that seems weird i should choose what i do for my birthday <laughs>
1: Okay, but I'm saying maybe on my own, in my own free fucking time, as a gift to you, I will rewatch that movie and maybe we can do a bonus episode about it. Maybe. We'll see. I think what you mean to say is thanks, Gab. You didn't do anything yet. <laughs> sure. You want me to hypothetically thank you? Yes. Thank you for having
0: the inkling, the notion of doing something.
1: You're welcome. Anything for you. All right. I can thought we that I would solve this, world please? hunger.
0: You're welcome, world.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. And on that note, we should break away from the Lost Boys for a minute and get to some mail.
1: Mail. Mailtoys! When you control the mail, you control information.
0: Mom asked me to ask you if there's any mail for us here by the What? So enthusiastic about the mail this week. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got a couple comments on your name. First, we got one from Scotty. So there's a future episode on, parentheses, can I say it, The Fugitive. Scotty, you have depicted the code where I'm mistakenly like, Made Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, or reverse that, or whatever. uh Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford was a dead giveaway. The ch and Alberich is pronounced k. Oh, I guess I read that right. I this is referencing a comment he made last week about a podcast. If you listen to Action Film Face Off, you'll learn how to pronounce Jared and Jackson's last name, which I would highly recommend, especially since some of the movies reviewed on that show, such as Die Hard, True Lies, RoboCop, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, have been one of the films. They faced off against another film, which ironically are all movies I've picked as well.
1: Yeah, but I got to tell you, if they don't do Vampire's Kiss, I don't really care.
0: Not enough people talking about Vampire's Kiss every day. Not
1: enough people. It's got to be a part. We got to bring it back into society.
0: That's the I want the Nicolas Cage multiverse where it's just him and Vampire's Kiss versus him and Face Off versus him and yes! Spider-Man Noir. Yes. Honestly, I would watch that movie of all Nicolas Me Cage's. Me too. It's always fun to listen to. Dylan, since you're a bit more of a nerd, I'd also recommend the Longbox Crusades podcast, Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles, formerly Crusader Chronicles.
1: What podcast do you go on and talk about our podcast? (laughs) That's a good question. Scott, are you leaving
0: recommendations for other people on other podcasts for this podcast?
1: Yeah, come on. Their
0: flagship show, Fan Film Fridays, and Comics to Console Crusade, which the most recent episode of that podcast was on Batman Arkham Asylum, which features the Mask of the Phantasm voice cast. So, yeah, I definitely recommend checking out the Longbox Crusade Network if you get a chance. Okay, will do. Perhaps I shall. We have a comment from a new commenter, Blue. Blue? I found. Well, his picture's Pikachu, so I don't know if it's Blue's Clues Blue or not. Mm. I found it funny when Gab, parentheses, sorry, not sure, so I'm guessing this is his first episode, Mm. said, Is this like Inception the anime? When Inception is based on the anime movie Paprika. Nice discussions. Thumbs up.
1: Oh, first of all, thank you. Yes, I do know it's a it's a, an untraditional name, perhaps, um, short for Gabrielle, not not Gabby, never never Gabby. Um, Gabby, it is uh, not an
0: unconventional name at all. I think it's a very common name now, no?
1: Well, I, sometimes I feel like when I say Gab, people are like, what? You know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, that was cool. And wow, interesting, fun fact, didn't know.
0: Blue, this was a very nice, positive comment, and I appreciated it.
1: Yeah, thank you for joining us.
0: And now we have another comment from Scotty. Hmm. Scotty was like, I've come back. <laughs> um I thought of a little bit for this episode. Can you guess what this is a reference to? Gab. Oh. This is I'm, this is like a whole dialogue thing, so I'm going to I'm going to say the character who's saying each thing. Gab, since we're all going to die here, what's there's one more secret I must share with you. I did not care for your name. Giselle, what? Gab did not care for your name. Dylan, how can you even say that? Gab, didn't like it. Giselle, Gab, it's so good. It's like the perfect movie. Gab, this is what everyone always said whenever they say. Dylan, Rino Suke Kamiki, Mone Kamarushari. I mean, you never see Rio Narita. Gab, fine, fine, fine actor. Did not like the movie. Corey, why not? Gab, did not, couldn't, couldn't get into it. Giselle, explain yourself. You You're stopping I know me. where it's,
1: going. I, oh, know okay. where it's going. going. I know where it's going. I know where it's going.
0: Explain yourself. What didn't you like about it? Gab, it insists upon itself. It insists
1: upon itself. (laughs) It insists upon itself, Giselle.
0: Giselle, what? Gab, it insists upon itself. Giselle, what does that even mean, Dylan? Because it has a valid point to make. It's insisted. Gab, it takes forever (laughs) getting in. You spend like six and a half hours, you know. I can't get through. I've never even finished the movie. I've never even seen the ending. Dylan, you've never seen the ending? Z, how can you say you don't like it if you haven't even given it a chance? Giselle, I agree with Z. It's not really fair. Dylan, it's outrageous. Gab, I've tried on three separate occasions to get through it, and I get to the scene where all the guys are sitting around on the easy chairs. Giselle, yeah, it's a great scene. I love that scene. Gab, I have no idea what they're talking about. It's like they're speaking a different, you know. That's where I lose interest. Giselle, you know what, Gab? Dylan, they're speaking Japanese. Giselle, the language they're speaking is a language of subtlety. It's something you don't understand. Gab, I love Vampire's Kiss. That is my answer to that statement. Giselle, exactly. Gab, well, there you go just whatever dylan whatever dylan i like that movie too there are so many banger animated movies transformers the movie gi joe the movie into the (laughs) spider-verse mask of the phantasm which was previously reviewed etc i get at some point people outgrow animation or think they're too old oh wait i think this is just scotty talking (laughs) now and i just kept going
1: yeah that's not the family guy reference anymore
0: (laughs) yes i was like huh i was like he's got a real back in he did it's my fault There are so many Banger animated movies. Transformers the movie, G.I. Joe the movie, Into the Spider-Verse, Mask of the Phantasm, which was previously reviewed, etc. I get at some point people outgrow animation or think they're too old to enjoy something animated because it's for kids and whatnot. However, I will always be a sucker for animation and in some cases consider animated outings for some franchises much better than the live action outings. That is just part of the subjectivity of art.
1: Yeah. So... One of my favorite ways to describe people, and this is straight from Corey. Corey kind of, like, brought that scene to my attention, and um we, we say it very frequently at our house, that, like, we don't like certain people because they insist upon themselves. <laughs> well, so, I hope I am not a person who on.
0: insists upon myself.
1: You are not.
0: That's good. That's good. I do yeah. feel like that is pretty funny and pretty accurate to what was going on because I do – I did risk. Uh, I did listen. I did listen to the your name episode, and I feel like there is that moment where you just said, "I don't want everyone to hate me."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny because Corey was like, "Oh, I can't wait to listen to that episode," and I was like, "I'm very much not trying to get kicked out of my family. Like, I'm very like." <laughs> that
0: was the exact one.
1: Yeah, I mean, you no, know, I get it. Like, it just personally. I meanwhile we're watching the movie, and I'm like, "Fuck this! This is terrible." Oh my god. Um, not maybe not in so many words but you know um yeah i was definitely trying to be like open minded and honestly like you know you guys explained a lot to me but jesus christ like if i really needed that much work to understand this movie like maybe it's not the best movie ever but anyway that's not what we're here to discuss
0: i just think based on the conversation for the episode we recorded today that uh sometimes you have a tough time grasping some of these uh time travel universe travel shenanigans
1: yeah 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 honestly you're you're absolutely right like traveling through different universes and different times and different dimensions confuses the shit out of me and you know what I'm a nice girl
0: okay yeah yeah on that note should we get back to our verdicts for the lost boys
1: I before we lose them let's get back to the lost boys do or do not there is no try the guilty will be punished
0: sentence death obviously I go first this being my movie so uh-huh. I think it is and we watch before you die I think it is simple and fun in a very delightful way you know much in the way that we sometimes talk about Robocop and the satire of it or you know we talk about some of these movies and we talk about the meaning behind them and things like that I don't do that at all for this movie this is much more like Game Night where it's like I just had a great time watching it you know yeah. what I mean um, I think for that reason, it's a movie watch before you die because at the end of the day, movies are entertainment and for 97 straight minutes, I was very fucking entertained. Gab, what say ye?
1: Well, Dylan, I've gone back and forth for the past couple of days on what I define as a movie to watch before you die. And I've thought about how there has to be some kind of standard. What is the standard? Is it that it was really fun? Is it that I would watch it again? Is it that I think... I would want to recommend it to somebody. And I feel like every week my opinion on that changes. Um, Sometimes I'm like, it's a movie to watch before you die because the story is so good. Sometimes it's a movie to watch before you die because it's so funny. Sometimes it's a movie to watch before you die because it is um, really educational. I, you know, I don't know. Um, And so what for me is the standard and does this meet that? Because for me, it kind of teeters on the line. Um, and I go back and forth about how I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to that. I may never watch it again, but that doesn't mean I regret it. And so I've struggled and I've gone back and forth and I've gone back and forth. And I think at the end of the day, there is a precedent, right? That's how our government works. That's how our, 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 legal system works
0: we definitely shouldn't base this on how well our government works well
1: <laughs> i don't want to base the podcast sorry. on that well oh, i didn't mean government i meant our legal system our legal system works in, with a system of precedents that once a decision is made that precedent is upheld and it helps inform other decisions
0: do we have lifetime and appointments so, as hosts
1: yeah obviously oh, it's cool. our podcast okay. yeah fuck that um my because of the precedent of movies to watch before you die the the legend of billy jean I would say that under that precedent, yes, this is a movie to watch before you die. Yeah,
0: I wish I had a gavel so bad right now because of how much (laughs) like
1: legalese we're using. Yeah, I actually feel very smart for having gotten through that whole thing. Um, Case closed. I, I really did enjoy it. I would recommend it to certain people. I think, I think once you're talking about something that's very like deeply 80s, you can't really recommend it to people that are like a little too young to appreciate it. You don't want to recommend it to somebody who's like too old. I don't know. I think it, it falls definitely into a certain type of person's movie. Um, But I thought it was really fun. I had a good time. It was over quick. It was just like a breezy watch. And I, I, I just had fun. So yeah.
0: it's it's one of those movies that i picture like someday if giselle and i have children i would want to show my kids this movie at some point like i think like yeah. this would be such a fun movie to show a kid and yeah. you're Agreed. right there is an aspect that it's like if you're very young now will this hit the same way like obviously you know i have more of an appreciation for that era of film i don't know now i feel like i'm like i have to show it to you know my niece and nephew are coming out at some point I, i'm like i gotta show it to them and see what a teen would think
1: I would like to know what they say about it. Um, but yeah, that's my verdict.
0: But, you know, to be fair, w- what do they know? Like, I went and saw Hotel Transylvania 3 with, you know, my nephew in theaters, and that movie sucked ass.
1: He loved it. <laughs> that's what I hear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Great. All right. So, do you know what movie you want to do next, or do you want to figure that out off?
1: I know. I've got Ooh. it. I've got it on lock. I'm going to tell never you. whatever happens. So, Dylan, I know you know this, but my birthday is on Sunday. Yeah. My birthday is on Sunday. So this movie was a a very special pick because I thought, well, what do I want to watch for my birthday? Um, What's going to be my birthday pick? Is it the thing? So, no, it's not the thing. That's your (laughs) birthday. Maybe if you thank me enough. So I kind of went back and forth about what movie do I want to watch for my birthday? Do I want it to be a fun movie, a sad movie, a happy movie, a musical? You know, what am I in the mood for? And recently I woke up, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you have a song stuck in your head and you're like, where the fuck did that come from? But it's just stuck sure. there. I had a song from a movie stuck in my head, and it's actually the first movie that when we discussed doing this podcast and we had decided that there was going to be a, um, a, a we were going to talk about movies that wouldn't otherwise be on like the Rolling Stone list of movies to watch before you. Die. And so as soon as we had come up with that, I was like, I know exactly which movie I want to start with. And we've just never done it. And so that movie is the 2001, what I think is a classic, perfect movie musical. Do you have any guesses?
0: Phantom of the Opera.
1: <laughs> no, fuck that. <laughs> oh, fuck just that. Basically I, up up here, like, I don't know what musical came out in 2001. 2000- it is the one and only Josie and the Pussycats.
0: A million guesses. I never would have guessed it. So come back (laughs) next week. We will be talking about Josie and the Pussycats.
1: Which has the best soundtrack of any movie of all time.
0: We will have to see, apparently. I I kind of feel (laughs) like this is going to be like when Giselle showed me Spice World and she had a nostalgic connection to it and I didn't.
1: But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. we'll see. I just think it's it's very funny. I mean, it's got Seth Green, Donald Faison. It's got Tara Reid, Rosario Dawson, Carson Daly, Alan Cumming. I mean, Alan Cumming is is one of the greatest gifts God has ever given us.
0: I I, I find it amazing that like among those names, you're like and Tara Reid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, she's good in this. Anyway, we'll Sharknado's talk about it next week. Six. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it next week. Let's not get carried away. Sure. Um, but that's what I want for my birthday.
0: Okay. And before your birthday, as a gift, can you tell people where they could listen to us?
1: Absolutely. Um, as a gift, you can listen to us on whatever you're currently listening to us on because clearly you found <laughs> it and you're doing well. You can send us an email at movies to watch before you die at gmail.com. Let us know what you think um about this movie and any other that we've discussed. And you can send us a voice note at anchor.fm slash movies to watch.
0: And also you can let us know in any one of those forms. Does young Keeper Sutherland look like Jason Sudeikis?
1: Please, please, because he absolutely does. Um, And lastly, of course, because it is my birthday, you can Venmo me.
0: You can Venmo Kat. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for Venmoing. I mean, listening. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know what we are. Now you know what you are. You'll never grow old, Michael. And you'll never die. But you must feed,